0: the reason why i started writing music um, ultimately was a way to cope with my mental illness and my depression
1: this is in the key of q featuring musicians from around the world who inspire my queer identity everybody is welcome to the conversation whatever beautiful identity pleases you music helps us feel connected and know that we are not alone This program is made possible thanks to the financial support of listeners like you over at patreon.com slash in the key of Q. And remember to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Dan Hall. Tune in and be heard. This week's guest is professionally known as Sonic Flux. He was born and raised in Florida in the United States, and in January 2020, his first single Nothing Will Ever Be The Same debuted at number two in the UK's LGBTQ charts. Quickly following this success was the release of his debut EP, Nostalgia. Coming to us all the way from Los Angeles in California is Sonic Flux. Sonic, hello. Hi, how are you?
2: Got it going on. Oh, no I'm so gone. I, I, I found just what, what I need what my ecstasy. i never wanted, i never needed, it. It's
0: um born and raised into a christian family and i was born in november um and december i was in a mass christmas production where i was literally the star of the show i was baby jesus um so music um it was huge um Loud music, orchestra, the whole shebang, and um, I was told that over the years I was the best baby Jesus. I was the most quiet, <laughs> so um, I was as early as one month old. Music was introduced to my life, music and production.
1: Goodness me, that's quite a, quite an opening role to have in your professional performance career, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Does where oh. do you go from there? Um, you know, that's that's a hard lead to follow. <laughs>
0: there's so much music that I have listened to over the years Um, I was introduced to um, at an early age things such as the Beatles the Carpenters um, the Bee Gees uh, truly some great 70s acts um, were really introduced to me at a very young age and that kind of spawned my love for music
1: and what was it about that music with hindsight
0: that appealed to you so much you know, the, the, the carefreeness and the free spiritedness of um, those acts and a lot of 70s music, um, I, I really can identify with the emotions that were dumped into it. I feel the 70s music really is very emotional and um, that I really I have taken with me f- throughout my entire life. I, I'm a very analytical person. I tend to overanalyze, I think. <laughs> um, and at a very young age, even as in my teenage years, I would listen to songs on the radio and ask myself, "What? why is this song on the radio? What makes it what it is? And I would try to find clues and hints and commonalities between songs. And and really, I, I actually, back in the day when I was a teenager, I would buy an album and look on the back of the CD and listen to the whole album and pick which ones I think are going to be the next singles. Oh,
1: that's interesting. I used to do exactly the same thing. That's really funny. Yeah. And, um, you know, surprisingly, I got
0: scarily accurate. Um, so, you know, I knew <laughs> at that point
1: what makes at least, not exactly a good song, but what makes a commercial song. And it's fascinating, I think, when you do notice those patterns. Just the other day, I was watching a documentary about the uh, Swedish movement, the Swedish pop movement, who it seems to have had a huge, people like Max Martin, who had a huge influence making things like Britney Spears's Baby One More Time, Backstreet Boys, I Want It That Way. And the fact that they just sort of stumbled on this pattern it's it's i don't know if you've heard of something called the eurovision song contest but it's one of the reasons i love it is yes i uh, have yeah so much of it is the production is wonderful and it's so melody based and production based Mm -hmm. and it has to be so disciplined because the songs have to be three minutes long absolutely two of my favorite songs actually came from eurovision
0: um lorraine's euphoria and um
1: only teardrops how on earth does an American stumble on Eurovision? How does that happen? Um, Well, when I first came out as gay,
0: eh, about 15, 16 years old, I had um, um, a group of gay people that were kind of, they put me under their wing. They were like 17, 18, 19. And they're like, here, if you're gay, this is what you should listen to. These are the shops that you should go to. And I was handed my first introduction to quote-unquote dance music and gay music was, I was handed an Ian Vandal CD, Castles in the Sky. And um, that just completely blew my mind coming from a small town in Melbourne, Florida, (laughs) in America. I did not know that that type of music was somewhere else in the world. And I'll be honest with you, from that point forward, I really um, only focused on a lot of European music,
1: For our American listeners who don't know European pop music, how would you say that it is different from American pop? It's
0: not as serious. I think it's not as serious. I think European pop tends to have fun with their productions a little bit more. They tend to take chances a little bit more with their productions as well. things can get a little wild, things can get a little bit more experimental, and um, that's not necessarily a bad thing.
2: When you breathe, I get all over me. In the strobe lights, let the music set us free. Because I'll never want it, I'll never need it.
1: So you grew up in Florida. Can you tell us a bit what that was like? Uh, rather wonderful. I lived about
0: 10 minutes from the beach. I lived about 30 minutes from NASA and about 45 minutes from Walt Disney World. Um, so it was, uh, to be quite honest, it was a great place to live. Um, it was uh, a lot of people moved
1: their families um, to Melbourne, um, where I was from. What was Melbourne like as a small kid? When were you there? What, what decade? Um, so I was born in 86. So I'm an 80s baby. I was born in the 80s and
0: 90s there. So uh, it was, you know, it was during the great times of NASA. There was always stuff going off. Um, arguably the best time of Disney. It was during their classic movie times, Bambi, Snow White, you know, um, Aladdin. So I will say again, I, I hate to like say that it was amazing, but it was pretty great, um, <laughs> you know, to be able to go to the beach and go to Disney um, quite often as a kid. And um, there was definitely things to keep you busy as a, as a child in that town, which was it was very nice. And having um, again, you know, having NASA right there, it was a huge inspiration for not only me, but pretty much all kids in Melbourne. You know, Melbourne was one of those special towns that kids didn't want to grow up to be doctors or firefighters or anything like that all of us wanted to grow up to be astronauts it's just kind of the way of life in melbourne
1: (laughs) so what is it like growing up as a kid in a town where space just hangs over you in a in a beautiful way not in a not in a kind of oh high expectations are gonna damage me way but just in this is it a romantic thing is it magical what's it like it was a little romantic. It it really, as a kid, again, I think
0: there are reasons why I'm such an analytical person now. And that could be why, um, it could be the reason why is because I grew up looking up to the stars in the sky and, you know, NASA taught us as kids that there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered. And, um, That's, those are, those are interesting concepts as a kid to start thinking, thinking about, you know, we were, we were, I was taught as a kid how they go to the bathroom, how they eat food, um, and, and you know, how way of life and space is different. So it really just makes you think a little bit differently, um, as a young kid, a lot of jobs I have not felt, found fulfilling, and maybe it's because I have grown up, um seeing some quite lofty goals quite l- literally um so when you grow up seeing us going up to the next frontier what do you do with your life <laughs> <laughs> There uh, is still to this day one gay bar in Melbourne, and um, back when I was growing up, it wasn't a gay bar; it was a "quote unquote" art alternative bar. Um, so, uh, queer culture in Melbourne um, and in Brevard County, generally speaking, is not that welcoming. It's it's still very much you'd be surprised. Um, Central Florida is actually a lot of. Um, trucks going, mudding, um, going to the beach in your truck. It's very, um, it's, <laughs> it's very country. I'll be honest with you. Not to say that it's a bad thing. I don't want to say it's a bad thing country, but you know, country small town, you know? And, um, I remember back when I was 18, 19, um, there was a petition to make a gay district, turn part of Melbourne into a, like a, a one street into a gay district, a gay arts district, and um, it was immediately denied by the city because they just did not want to bring that type of clientele to the city. Um, I, I do suffer from absolutely feeling isolated uh, in my town. There was not too many people that you could really identify with.
1: What is the effect that has on mental health as a young kid? Um. Well, I find out. I find
0: out about five, six years ago that I suffered from depression ever since I was about thirteen or fourteen. I just never been diagnosed with it, um, and it's gotten to the point uh, today that I, I have to for the rest of my life rewire my brain um, to think differently. So I think I'm still learning how growing up in that type of an environment with no, with very little support or um i'm really a huge supporter of the phrase if you can see them you can be them um because i think for kids these days if you can see someone like you you can be them and that is so so important um So important. I'm finding even more for mental health every single day How just how important it is for kids and young people to find someone that they identify with. It gives them hope. It gives them a sense of belonging. It gives them a
1: sense of connection. Persistent and permanent invisibility is very toxic. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. I'm so happy to
0: see TV shows and movies bringing queer culture um, we can see them now, you know, one of my, ba- one of my favorite shows growing up at 16 through 18 was Queer as Folk. Um, and I actually watched the, Brit- uh, the British version and then I uh, watched the American version once it came to America on Showtime. And, uh, so it was literally the only show that I could feel like represented gay culture in some way, shape of realistic form back during the early 2000s.
1: So, um... I'm glad that there are more shows like that now. You mentioned earlier, Sonic, issues with mental health. How did those manifest themselves for you before you sought treatment? They've manifested myself in ways of isol- self isolation,
0: um, not really much confidence, and I really became a recluse. To be honest with you, I um, I developed also a drinking problem at a very very young age, um, and that got me into I'll be honest with you that got me into a little bit of trouble um, back in the day. So, and. And I think all of that stemmed from not getting help for my mental health and trying to self-medicate in any way, shape, or form, even if it was alcohol. There should be no stigmata on mental health. Just because you have a mental health problem, I feel as though people put a stigmata on it or there's it's not okay to say it. I mean, it's not really anyone's fault that you get it. Just, (laughs) you know what I mean? So why is there a stigmata that there's something wrong with you or you did something wrong? Recognize when you see that problem and go out and get help. Don't try to self-medicate. And if you're not getting the help, keep looking because there is absolutely the help out there.
2: Will I ever love you again? Will we be together again? So, the love we had was strong. You tell me what's on.
1: When did you realize that you could no longer manage your mental health issues on your own? Hmm. Uh, way too late.
0: Um, <laughs> way, way too late. I recognized it about six years ago. Uh, so I recognized six, seven years ago. So I was 25, 26, 27 when I finally recognized it things take time. Things take time. You know, this is not something that happened overnight and it's not something that can be fixed overnight. And, um, but every day is a, is a new day for mental health. And that's so, so much of my music. Um, the reason why I started writing music, um, ultimately was a way to cope with my mental illness and my depression. And, um, really kind of words of re- re-information if I had a bad day I could listen I could read my own lyrics and um try to put myself in a good mood and I thought to myself you know what there's gotta be someone else out there that needs to hear this too music is healing first and foremost music is very healing and the world needs to be healed right now <laughs> um and um that's ultimately, if anything, that I can ask out of my music. If I heal one person or make one person's
1: day better with my music, I've, I've done my job. So I'm a 1973 baby, which meant that I was reaching my music listening prime in the 80s. So I absolutely adore the 80s sound. And I think it's one of the reasons I was so drawn to your music. Uh-huh. But you've got no excuse. You've got no excuse for liking the 80s sound because you were crawling around on your knees during it. What, what is it about the 80s feel that you love so much? Um, I
0: love the sense. I love the claps. I love... Everything about production, about the 80s, I love how simple things were. I think production in this day and age, um, I love my Max Martin. I love my Red One. I love David Guetta. I I love my modern-day production um, engineers. But sometimes it can be a little too much and too messy and and too much going on. And what I love about 80s um, beats is literally sometimes there's a synth a clap, a drum beat and that's it <laughs> and um, and it can just it's so simplistic but just so magical that um, that that is truly what I love about 80s not to mention all the culture all the
2: colors Will I ever love you again Will we together, again no, the love we had was strong Until we were torn Until we go wrong will I,
0: will I, will the I, 80s where we were more future looking towards the future than any other, the seventies and eighties, um, and the eighties, particularly, we were looking at the future more so than maybe even we are now. Um, we're just kind of handed new technology now and we expect the next iPhone model or, you know, et cetera. Whereas in the eighties, we were, everyone was excited about, uh, you know, what's going to be the next thing, you know, what's going to be the new technology and people were thinking and inventing and coming up with stuff so i think generally speaking it was a very
1: exciting era and that um that translated to the music do you feel that your love of 80s music then is kind of connected to your love of nasa and your growing up in the world Ah. of nasa that there was this futuristic this looking to the future feel about both of them I think you've figured out my stick,
0: yes. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's exactly yeah, you're you're exactly on point. Um, my whole my whole thing is connected and really eighties, the the fascination with the future, the fascination with technology, the the fascination of looking forward, I think we need more um, exciting, happy, positive music right now. And that's what I'm really trying to channel. Join us every week on A Queer Understanding and hear stories of self-discovery.
1: I want to be a boy because I believe that I am a boy. So of course, at that time, they called my parents. Me and the guy ended up fooling around. I, I was honestly thinking, like, wow, like, this is what I've been missing. Challenges.
0: I of them it's called survival sex. They're not out there because they love it. The police basically told me to get out of the station because they hate gays and we make them sick. And triumphs. The reason why I think I was successful is that I wasn't running as the gay candidate. I was asking people to vote for me because I care about the same things that they care about. Listen to A Queer Understanding everywhere you listen to your podcasts.
1: Now then, Sonic, once we finish this discussion, I pull our conversation into the edit and I chop us down a little bit and make us sound fantastic and clever and and gorgeous and entertaining. Except I'm not going to do that for the next two minutes or so. I'm going to give you a platform and say to you, you can speak without any editing, without me shaping anything. This is your space to talk about whatever you want. And the time starts whenever you do. Well, I would
0: like to um, talk about and maybe showcase my um, store, sonicflux.com slash store. I have, uh, I spent... I really don't care to admit how many hours designing and setting up the store. Um, There's over 600 variations of products um, ranging from clothing to tote bags to um, actually artwork that I personally designed myself uh, for the store. Um, And I really personally love each and every single product on my store. Um, every product is handmade. So um, and nothing is stored and it's very eco-friendly. Um, and th- I really love a lot of the products on the store. I'm actually going to be coming out. I'm designing a few more products and I think I'm going to be doing a... Um, a sale for you guys i'm going to be generating a sale for 24 percent off uh, with code in the key of q now that's the highest per, um sale that i've ever done but i wanted to provide it to all of the fans of in the key of q uh so if you do go on my store sonicflux.com store and you uh place an order make sure to put in the code in the key of q all capitalized to get your 20% off your entire order and free shipping worldwide. I don't charge anyone for shipping. Um, I think that's stupid. So (laughs) I hope you do go on the store and check out the products and please, if you do purchase something, please share them uh, with me on socials. I love to see when people wear my stuff and see what kind of outfits and they can come up with and stuff like that. Um, so please do check
1: it out in uh, sonicflix.com slash store. That's wonderful. And Sonic, thank you very much for your generosity there providing a, a discount code for our listeners. That's, that's very kind of you. Oh, not a problem. And it never expires. So feel free to
0: use it whenever you want and whenever you're ready. Even better.
2: Let's get back to the good times we had. When you think of us, you can't be Sad. Nothing in this world matters but me and you. You, 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 you. Nothing lasts but love, you know it's true. You got to know, you got to know.
1: Now then, Sonic, what do you think your fifteen year old self would make of you in the music that you're making now? I've thought about this a
0: lot the last couple of weeks. Um, growing up in small town Melbourne, I'll be honest with you, I, d- I didn't think that I'd actually make it here in LA. Is something this is a this is a goal that I didn't think that I was actually going to be able to achieve. Um, if I would hope that my 15 year old self would look at me now and at least be. Pretty darn proud that I got out of Melbourne. Um, it is a small town. It's not very welcoming of gay people. It's it's not it's not the what I wanted in life. And um, I'm really hope that he looks at me and at least sees a good person. You know, because I all I really wanted to do is be the best person that I could be and try to. Um, do the best that I can in life, you know? And uh, I think that's all that anyone can
1: really ask for. Sonic, do you think he'd recognize himself? Do you think he'd see a natural adult extension of who he was? Or do you think he'll be like, who is this guy? You know, that is a good question.
0: I think in certain ways I would recognize myself, but in certain ways I would not. Um, I think that my personality is not what I thought it was going to be. Um, And that might have to do with, you know, my mental health. Um, I, you know, I, uh, I still am the same person, but I feel as though my outlooks in life and my mentality has gotten definitely more introspective. um, And I really try, I, I used to be more, the life of the party, <laughs> uh, my 15 year old self, whereas now I'm more like the sponge that soaks it all in. And, um, I think that would probably be the most surprising thing of that. My 15 year old self would see.
1: What queer music are you listening to at the moment? And maybe who do you think I should get on as a guest in future episodes?
0: Wow. Okay, so I'm really excited for Charlie XCX's new album. I'm absolutely in love with um, Good Ones, her new single, Good Ones. I really, you know, he's a local. He's a local of mine and, um, he was, he's in central Florida when I was in central Florida. I believe he's still, uh, going really strong in central Florida, but, um, my good friend, Billy Mick, he is a great artist, um, and a great queer artist. He's been doing a lot of great things
1: in Orlando. Um, and I, I've been really, you won't uh, believe this Sonic. I am recording Billy Mick's episode tomorrow. You won't believe <laughs> uh, that. I'm recording good. him tomorrow. Good.
0: I've been, um, uh, we kind of started, we we both kind of started doing this on a serious level about at the same time. And I've been really happy to see him and his career taking off. I, I can't say enough good things about him. He's a really great guy.
2: Let's go back to the dance for lights summer. on. Play your favorite song. Go grab yourself a drink. Better make it two.
1: Now, Sonic, where could we find you online?
0: You can find me online everywhere. www.sonicflux.com I have Twitter, I have Facebook, I have YouTube, I have Instagram, and uh, very, very soon I'll be getting on the TikTok. So (laughs) um, just Google search me or, um, you know, go on the socials and search
1: Sonic Flux and you will find me. I'm the one with the pink hair. Do you know, I can't produce tiktok content at all the amp makes my head explode but i love consuming it and all my algorithm ever seems to give me now is bare-chested hairy men and grandmothers who say fuck a lot oh that's wonderful (laughs) i should sell my algorithm to the highest bidder (laughs) Now then, Sonic, we've been listening to your music all the way through this episode, but we've saved the best till last. This is where I like to ask my guests to present their gateway song, and this is a track that they feel would act as a perfect introduction to their catalogue, past, present, and future. What would your gateway song be and why? My gateway song would be Remedy. And, um, that is because
0: Remedy was one of the first tracks that I actually, uh, wrote and released. I believe is actually the second one that I released after nothing will be the same. Remedy was on the LGBTQ UK charts for over a year. It hit number one, um, that song took me a grand total of 10 minutes to write. Um, <laughs> I love that song to death. And um, truthfully, the inspiration behind that song was um, writing it for the fans. It was a love letter to the, my fans of my promise that what I would, t- what type of artist that I would always be, um, that I'm doing this for them. I'm putting my heart literally in every single beat in every uh, word and that is something that will never change and if you ever need a remedy a pick a, a pick me up think of me be and that's that's what that song is about so i believe overall that is a great gateway um song to what my music is all about and what i stand for
2: Yo
1: sonic thank you so much for coming on to in the key of q and being so open and honest about your mental health issues and sharing your stories and of course your music with us it's been lovely to have you thank you so much thanks for having me Thanks for listening to this episode. You can support In The Key of Q via Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Theme music is by Paul Lee Nidu at unstoppablemonsters.com with press and PR by Paul Smith. Help others discover new queer musicians by rating and reviewing In The Key of Q wherever you find podcasts. Thanks to Kaj and Murray for their continued support and to you for subscribing. The show is made of Pup Media. I'm Dan Hall. Go listen to some music, and I'll see you next Tuesday. (music) Levi Christ is the next episode's guest on In the Key of Q.
2: On
1: a quest
0: for community, on a quest for family, that was a way that we bonded.
1: Crystal meth.
2: I know what it's all about.
1: That's Levi Christ in the next episode of In the Key of Q